sometimes we think that the only people who are uh, lonely are people who are quiet and shy, but really, anyone can be lonely. Celebrities, charismatic leaders, people who project beauty and confidence, everyone deals with loneliness on some level. And no two experiences are the same. Everyone wants to see me, but do they really even know me? Sometimes I'm loneliest when people are petting me. I wonder, are they petting me for me or are they petting me for them? Can you relate to the bunny? Loneliness is the distress we experience when we don't feel known, understood, or cared for. When we doubt that we truly belong, that we're important to the people around us. David experienced this in Psalm 142. Look to my right and see. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for me. The refuge David seeks isn't a building, it's people. People who make him feel loved and at home. I have no refuge. I have no one who cares for me. That's loneliness. And it's universal. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 2. This is before the fall. This is before the world breaks. The text says it was not good for the man to be alone. So God creates... And every time we're told that it was good, or it was very good. But now, the man is alone, and it's not good. Why? Did he do something wrong? Was he somehow deficient? No. It's not good for the human to be alone, because we're made in God's image. See, God is tri-personal. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Before God created anything, he was already a community. Three personalities who submit and defer to and rejoice and delight in and, and glorify one another. God didn't create the world because he was lonely. He already had infinite love and belonging within himself. He created to share that love, to expand it, and to invite us into that dance. Since we're made in God's image, we too exist for relationship. We're hardwired for community, to know and to be known by people who are concerned about us, who care. And when we don't have that, it is not good. In fact, it becomes a source of distress, and we all experience it in different ways. God sees Adam alone, and it's not good. So what does God do? He splits the Adam. He creates woman. And he calls her a corresponding strength, a perfect partner. And there's a wedding. And you get to the end of Genesis 2, and it says that the man and the woman were naked, and they felt no shame. Now, in the Hebrew imagination, nakedness meant much more than physical nudity. It meant that you were fully known, nothing hidden, completely vulnerable, without fear or shame. We've lost this, and we long for it. When Jesus came to earth, he experienced everything that we experience except sin. 
he experienced the full range of emotions, including the distress of loneliness. John tells us that Jesus came and no one recognized or received him for who he was. He was rejected by his own people, hunted by his own king. Right after he preached his first sermon, they tried to throw him off a cliff. His parents were mystified by him. His siblings thought he was crazy. And in the end, his closest friends abandoned and betrayed him, and those in power snuffed him out. Everywhere Jesus went, he was misunderstood. Everywhere Jesus went, people tried to use him. The prophet Isaiah wrote that he was despised and rejected, oppressed and afflicted, and we held him in low esteem. Don't tell me Jesus didn't feel lonely. But Jesus wasn't lonely because he was deficient. I think sometimes we think that, uh, that lonely people are unexceptional people. They don't stand out, and that's why they're lonely. But actually, loneliness is often a function of our uniqueness, of our unique calling. See, nobody knew what it was like to be Jesus. Nobody understood what his life was all about. He kept telling his friends, I have to go to Jerusalem and die but on the third day I'll rise again. And no matter how many times he told them, it didn't compute. Nobody could figure out why Jesus wasn't running from trouble, why he seemed to be courting it. See, nobody knew what it was like to be Jesus, just like nobody knows what it's like to be you. There is no person who completely understands you. No one really knows the inner you as well as you know yourself. And that is a troubling fact, especially when deep down inside, we all long to be known. And the things that make you unique, your story, your wounds, your calling, the people and causes that tug at your heartstrings, nobody knows truly what it's like to be you but you. You might be incredibly compassionate. You might have a huge heart. You feel everything so intensely, not just your own feelings, but other people's feelings. And people think you're crazy. And they tell you to stop. Stop being so sensitive. Give your heart a break, <laughs> as though you can somehow turn it off. Nobody knows what it's like to be you. Maybe you've experienced significant trauma in your life. And now, no matter what's happening, there's a, there's a darkness that hovers over everything. It's hard to see yourself. It's hard to see your circumstances in a positive light. There's a, a heaviness that you just can't quite shed. And people ask you, why can't you just be a more positive person? And they don't get it. They don't know what it's like to be you. Maybe you're super passionate about your calling. There's a, there's a fire in your bones. You can't not think about it all the time. And people tell you to, to get a life, to get a hobby, to chill out, take a nap. Yeah, right. They don't get it. The prophet Jeremiah once said to God, because your hand is on me, because you've called me to speak for you, I am utterly alone. Here's the thing. Loneliness is not some 
accidental, unexpected consequence of someone's bad decision. It's not a, a defect in your character. Loneliness is baked right into the human experience. It is inescapable. Even Jesus couldn't escape it. And often, the root of loneliness is our uniqueness, our passion, our gift, our calling, our wounds. Sometimes loneliness is a function of courage, of taking an unpopular stand and doing the right thing. Sometimes loneliness is a function of telling the truth and having integrity. Sometimes loneliness is a function of faithfulness and being true to our convictions, refusing to compromise. These days I hear more and more people say that they feel politically homeless. They can't identify with either side. No one seems to be speaking for them. That's a kind of loneliness. The world has lots of advice for lonely people, usually along the lines of, you know, you, you just have to get out there. You just have to surround yourself with people, you know, take a class, join a club, get involved in something. And that's not necessarily bad advice. It's just not a cure. After all, Jesus was hardly a loner. He was constantly surrounded by crowds, but often the crowds exacerbated his loneliness. Most of the time, the crowds didn't understand Jesus, and they didn't want to. They wanted his blessings, but they didn't want him. It's like the bunny said, are they petting me for me, or are they petting me for them? If you've ever felt used, you know how lonely that feels. Parties couldn't cure Jesus of his loneliness. Neither could his friends. When Jesus needed his friends most, they fell asleep. Hours before Jesus was arrested, he said to his friends, a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered each to your own home. You will leave me all alone. Loneliness is an inescapable part of the human experience. But loneliness doesn't mean you're deficient. It just means you're human. It means that you were created for community, to be known and cared for without fear or shame, and the world doesn't always deliver. Before we go further, let's, let's make an important distinction between three words. Alone, loneliness, and solitude. To be alone is a physical, emotional, intellectual, or spiritual fact. Let me give you some examples. I live alone. No one understands what I'm going through. No one else in my family is a believer. None of my friends see the world the way I do. My spouse doesn't understand how important my faith is to me. To be alone is a simple fact. Loneliness is not a fact, it's a feeling. It's the distress we feel as a result of being alone, of not feeling understood or cared for. Solitude is neither a fact nor a feeling. 
Solitude is a choice that we make. It's something that we pursue for a particular purpose. Solitude is a decision that Jesus made over and over again. The gospel writer Mark writes, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Luke writes, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Before Jesus began his public ministry, he went into solitude for 40 days. When the crowds made unrealistic demands or tried to distract him from his mission, Jesus would go off by himself. In the hours before his arrest, he went to a garden, not so that he could be alone, but so that he could be with his father. Let's read that whole verse this time from John 16. A time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. What does Jesus do with his Father? How does Jesus spend his solitude? Well, he unburdens himself. He voices his distress. We see this in the garden before his arrest. Jesus is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He agonizes and wrestles with God. In solitude, Jesus receives love from the Father. At his baptism, God says, This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. If that's what God says to Jesus in front of a crowd... Imagine what God says to Jesus in private. Right after his baptism, Jesus is led into the wilderness for 40 days, and Satan tries to tempt Jesus to abandon the Father's plan. He offers Jesus a shortcut to glory with no suffering and no death. But Jesus doesn't take the bait. Why? Because he is totally secure in the Father's love. Satan's deal can't compare. His shortcut to glory isn't the least bit enticing to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus knows and trusts his Father. Because Jesus chooses solitude, he doesn't get distracted from his mission. He doesn't lose track of who he is or whose he is. Well, friends, it doesn't have to be any different for us. We can choose solitude. We can choose to be alone with the Father. And when we do, we can unburden ourselves. We can cast our cares on the one who cares for us. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? Who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. In solitude, we can voice our distress. Nobody knows the troubles I've seen. That's true. Nobody knows my sorrow. Nobody knows the troubles I've seen. 
Nobody knows but Jesus. When we choose solitude, we can receive, we can experience the Father's love. Solitude is not a performance. It's not about what we do for God. It is about being with God. Solitude is about making God our refuge, our home. When was the last time you let God love you? When was the last time you let God tell you who you are? When was the last time you stopped performing and simply rested in his arms? Deuteronomy 33.12 says, Let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him, for he shields him all day long. And the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. I love that verse. How do you imagine that? How do you picture it? Do you picture laying your head on God's chest? I always imagine riding piggyback, zooming through the countryside with the wind in our faces, bouncing on God's shoulders and giggling uncontrollably. Could God be the kind of God who wants to put you between his shoulders and gallop off into the sunset? Could you imagine laughing so hard you start to snort? <laughs> Low little snot bubbles. That's what I imagine anyway. Jesus was very much alone. No one on earth understood him. No one recognized or received him. Jesus was lonely. It's distressing to be misunderstood and rejected, to have people constantly trying to use you or trap you or get rid of you. But Jesus chose solitude, and therefore, he wasn't alone. Now, here's an important question. Did solitude cure Jesus of his loneliness? On a human level, no, it didn't. Jesus was still alone. He was still chronically misunderstood by virtually everyone in his life. And that experience was still profoundly painful. Even for Jesus, loneliness was inescapable. And Jesus did everything right. He did everything according to the Father's blueprint. He put God first 100% of the time, and he was still alone. Why do I say all this? Because someone listening needs to know that loneliness is not a punishment. It's not an indication that you're doing something wrong. It is an inescapable part of the human experience. Of course, there are decisions that we can make, good and bad, that can lead to or exacerbate loneliness. But no matter what we do, we cannot eliminate it completely. By now, some of you are definitely thinking, uh, this is not a very comforting sermon, Pastor Bill. I know. Stay with me. There's hope. There's redemption. How do I know? Because Jesus could still function. More than that, he could still love. He could still live a beautiful and abundant life. His experience of loneliness did not diminish his capacity to love. In fact, when the heat was turned up the highest, when Jesus was most isolated spiritually and emotionally from his friends, 
John writes that he loved them to the end. How, you ask, when no one on earth was pouring into him? Because God was. Henry Nouwen, perhaps more than anyone I've ever read, was in touch with his loneliness. He wrote, the wound of loneliness is like the Grand Canyon, a deep incision in the surface of our existence, which has become an inexhaustible source of beauty and self-understanding. That's strange, isn't it? He wrote, the Christian way of life does not take away our loneliness. It protects and cherishes it as a precious gift. Sometimes it's as if we do everything possible to avoid this painful feeling, preferring instead to look for immediate satisfaction and quick relief. But perhaps the painful awareness of loneliness is an invitation to look beyond ourselves. Perhaps, now it writes, it's a gift that reveals our emptiness and our need. In an interview Nowen gave toward the end of his life, he said, maybe loneliness is a doorway into greater empathy. Maybe it can bear fruit. Maybe we shouldn't run from it. Maybe we should feel it all the way through. Stand up in it. Maybe there's something there that can become a gift, something beyond the pain itself. And at this point, the interviewer says, what? And Nowen says, the truth that God has loved me since before I was born and will love me long after I die. What's he saying? Two things, I think. Number one, that loneliness reveals our need for something greater than this world can give us. And number two, that if we accept and embrace our own loneliness, we can accept and embrace others in theirs. See, loneliness is a wound. You can't ignore a wound. You have to tend to it. The world is filled with lonely people who try to ignore the wound, who try to avoid it and distract themselves from feeling it. And as a result, the wound never heals. But the wound that we tend with God becomes the wound we can share with others. The wound that gives us courage to tend to their wounds. One of my favorite passages of scripture is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul writes these words. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. What's Paul saying? He's saying that our wounds, including our loneliness, rather than diminish our capacity to love, may actually increase it, may actually help us to recognize the wound in others so that we can draw near to them without fear, 
See, we fear what we don't know. It's hard for us to get close to lonely people if we aren't in touch with our own loneliness. It's hard for us to know how to love lonely people if we've never brought our wounds to Jesus and allowed him to love us. As one of Father Greg Boyle's ex-gang members once said, how can I accept others if I can't accept my own wounds? Nowen didn't run from his loneliness. He felt it all the way through. He stood up in it and brought it to Jesus. Is it any wonder then why he left his job at Harvard to live in a group home for severely mentally handicapped adults? Is it any wonder then that in the early 80s, now and spent months at a time at a hospital in San Francisco, ministering bedside to men who are dying of AIDS, all alone. Don't run from your loneliness. Stand up in it. Feel it all the way through and bring it to Jesus. And before you know it, he will lead you right alongside someone else to be there for them, just like Jesus was there for you. All right, real quick, two questions. Number one, how do we practice solitude? If it's not a performance, what is it? What does it look like? Let me tell you with a story. Brendan Manning tells the story of a young priest who was called to visit a, a terminally ill patient in a hospital. And during their short visit, the priest asked the patient, do you pray? And the man said, I would like to, but I don't know how. So the priest took a chair, placed it next to the man's bed, and said, I want you to imagine God is sitting in that chair and just talk to him like you would talk to me. And the man said, I can do that. Well, a little bit of time passed. And one day the nurse saw the priest and said, hey, that man you came to visit a while ago, he passed away this morning. Oh, that's too bad. Yes. And there was something strange, really. What was it? Well, he was all alone when he died. And when we found him, his head was in a chair. That's solitude. We can do that. Finally, how can we help begin to heal the loneliness of others? Well, you can't if you haven't paid any attention to your own loneliness. Empathy and compassion are two words that mean to feel with or to suffer with. I can't feel your loneliness with you if I haven't felt my own. We can begin to heal the loneliness of others by offering them our own loneliness, by offering the quiet comfort and assurance that we've received from God. Not the comfort that we've only read about, not secondhand comfort, but the comfort that we've received in our solitude. Don't try to do for others what you won't let God do for you. We become the kind of person who can help heal others in solitude. Then we can offer our wounds. We can offer our empathy. We can offer our unhurried listening. We can invite them to be known. We can say, tell me your story. Or, where does it hurt today? Or, 
what's it like being you? And don't try to fix them. Don't offer solutions. Job's friends were most effective when they said nothing, when they just sat and listened. One of the greatest gifts we can give others is the experience of being totally vulnerable without shame. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for giving us a Savior who knows what it's like to be lonely. And we pray for courage to bring our loneliness to him, to receive from you comfort and assurance and peace, and to recognize when you're leading us to come alongside of someone else and offer them the comfort and peace and assurance we receive from you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.